Welcome to the Writer's Block Party Podcast with your hosts Meredith Bond and Prue Warren, where they discuss every aspect of a writer's life, from the craft of writing and editing, through publishing and marketing, and finally into building a global publishing empire. Here is Mary and Prue. Welcome to the Writer's Block Party podcast. I'm your ignorant host, Prue Warren, here with my very not ignorant host. Hi, I'm Meredith Bond, and uh, it's always a debate as to who's the ignorant one here, Prue. <laughs> for you, <laughs> and you're very kind. <laughs> I know better. And I know better because today we're talking about pacing, and pacing is... Uh, I'm very interested in what you have to say. I only know that pacing is instinctive and that in a romance, as the wonderful Kathy Gillis Seidel says, just don't write the boring part, right? So things move along right, Chris. Your goal is to keep people up late. You don't want to bore people. So pacing to me just means don't write the boring part. That so is tell the me what number pacing. one rule. Yes. All right. <laughs> Yay me! <laughs> tell me, tell me. I know you have taught classes on this and that you have notes and consider me sitting here pencil in hand ready to take down your wisdom. What do you got? Okay, first of all, what I have is the fact that pacing is absolutely the most perfect topic to follow hooks. Because Ooh. hooks what we were discussing, the hooks that drive the reader forward at the end of a chapter into the next chapter is also pacing. So according to Alicia Rasley, who is one of the best writing teachers ever, hands down, she says, and I quote, pacing is all about propulsion forward in the story. So anything that pulls the reader into the next scene or makes her speculate about the future will quicken the pacing. The most important technique is to make the reader ask a question in one scene and then postpone the answer for another scene. Oh, that's mean. Could you try again? Oh, my God. My phone is my watch is talking to me. <laughs> Sorry. Well, let me tell your phone what you just said. <laughs> Mary's phone, it's very interesting, pose a question in the first chapter and delay the answer in the next chapter. All right, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, like your phone, I'm going to interrupt your thoughts. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm a, Stephen King does not write romances, but man, his pacing is, is, you get sucked in. There's been many a four o'clock in the morning when everyone else in the world has died and I'm the only one still awake reading a horror book. Um, <laughs> he is famous for shifting the focus right you, you bring your heroine to a cliff and she's just poised on the edge and rocks are beginning to crumble over and someone's coming after her and then the chapter ends and suddenly we're back in the in the office with dave who's thinking about maybe getting another cup of coffee and i exactly. just want to kill him. exactly I just want to kill him that's pacing you think of that as pacing that is pacing um, there's a book by a guy named Jack Bickham. Uh, the book is called Scene and Structure. And what he says is that at the end of every scene, 
the end of every scene should end in a disaster. So that's exactly what you were talking about, right? I'm going to put this this book in the show notes. Please spell Bickham, would you? Bickham is B-I-C-K-H-A-M. And tell me the name of the writing coach who you uh, quoted. Oh, Alicia Rasley. A or Alicia? A-L. Alicia. Okay, Radley. Rasley, R-A-S-L-E-Y. This is gripping podcasting, isn't it? Let's spell some more. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Bacon says in his book called Scene and Structure, which is a classic writing book, writing craft book, that every scene should end with a disaster. And that, so that at the end of every scene, your reader is sitting there with a question. Now, if the answer to that question, so the answer to that question can be either yes, but, or no, or no, and furthermore. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So if the quest, if the whole scene is about a guy trying to get a girl to go out with him. So the question is, will she go out with him? The answer is yes, but then the girl will has agreed to go out with him, but not for dinner, for a quick cup of coffee instead. That's a yes, but. I think I see the problem with some books I've been reading. Oh, then if the answer is no, then the girl's not going to go out with him. If the answer is no and furthermore, then it's no, the girl's not going to go out with him. And furthermore, she never wants to see his ugly face again. Okay. So you've got two things going on here. You've got this pose the question and the possible answers, but you've also got this premise that you have to let at least a chapter or at least a scene develop before the question is answered. Right. Wait a minute. There's also end with a disaster. So you've got a lot. <laughs> you've thrown a lot at me, Meredith. <laughs> There's a lot going on here. If the goal is uh, go out with me on a date, doesn't that have to be answered in in that chapter? I mean, I can't no. I can't stall you for a chapter and a half before she finally says, "I'm a vegan and you're a damn carnivore and I'm never going near you." Right? I mean, uh, I mean, how annoyed do you want your reader to be that they can't get the fulfillment of an answer? <laughs> Sorry, I'm kind of... No, so it doesn't... So what he's saying and what Stephen King has proven to you is that the answer should not be in the very next scene. It should be at least... It should be in the scene after that. So we're skipping scenes. You don't always have to do that, but it is a way of driving your reader through the story, of pushing them through with pacing. That's the most European sounding siren that's going off in your background. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> you, are not, you are not in the U.S. That's very elegant. <laughs> um, so the current, you and I have talked about points of view and that alternating points of view is a sort of a contemporary uh, thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Georgette Hare did not alternate points of view. So Alternating points of view from chapter to chapter is another way to, to force the pacing to draw the reader on. Right. Yes. 
We can also talk about pacing as in the speed at which things happen in the book, right? Mm -hmm. So um, if you have a battle scene or a fight scene, then the pacing should go really fast, right? The way you you do that is through short, clipped sentences and no description, right? Okay, okay. If if you have a romantic scene, as we were talking about in when we talked about love scenes, then you want that pacing to slow down to a crawl so that <laughs> we can enjoy every luscious moment of that love scene. <laughs> Your sentences should be long and wordy and filled with emotion and description and feelings and right. all that lovely gooey stuff that we read romance for. Chaha. Yeah, we do. Chaha. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you 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 began that I got caught up in the concept that language can set the pace, that your sentence structure can set the pace. But you began your thought by saying it's not just the hook at the end. What did you say in the very in, at the beginning? You don't remember. It's all right. That wait, you mean the quote that I read? No, no, no. And, and if you backed up two minutes, you'd have it. You also said oh. uh, pacing is also established by, I guess, the speed of the narrative. Speed of the narrative. The That's speed what- of the st- right, exactly. The speed of the narrative. The speed of the story. Yeah, yeah. and I the speed think- of the action. Sorry? That I, I was thinking that the difference between what's known as women's fiction versus romance, the two big differences are, first of all, a women's, a women's fiction doesn't have to have a happily ever after. And if you're in Oprah's book club, misery is wanted, right? I can't abide an Oprah book club choice because nothing ever ends happily. But the other, <laughs> the other difference is pacing, is that in a romance, you're on a speeding freight train things are getting tugged along quickly and you are kept up late right and if if it's a good book you're going to be sleepy at work tomorrow right whereas i think women's fiction is paced so that you sit down with your cup of tea and muse over the writing and let it percolate in you and it can take days or even weeks to read one of those books and i think that's a question of pacing that sounds exactly right exactly right hate those books. I hate those books. So with regard to sentence length, I have a cute quote that I wish I knew where I found it, but I don't know. (laughs) I I didn't write down the reference, which drives me nuts, but there it is. Um, It's all about sentence length. Okay. So here's the quote. This sentence has five words. Here are five more words. Five word sentences are fine, but together they become monotonous. Listen to what is happening. The writing is getting boring. The sound of it drones. It's like a stuck record. The ear demands some variety. Now listen. I vary the sentence length and I create music. Music. The writing sings. It has a pleasant rhythm, a lilt, a harmony. I use short sentences, 
and I use sentences of medium length. And sometimes, when I am certain the reader is rested, I will engage him with a sentence of considerable length, a sentence that burns with energy and builds with all the impetus of a crescendo, the roll of the drums, the crash of the cymbals, sounds that say, listen to this, it is important. Oh, I am on my feet. In applause, we've got to find out who wrote that because that person deserves some fucking praise. That was gorgeous. Wasn't that great? Isn't it perfect? Oh, my God. I hope the crescendo, I hope I didn't cut you off. Was there no. more? No, that was it. That was it. <laughs> oh, my God. That was so good. That's gorgeous. That was it's, a really good demonstration. It's just perfect. It's a perfect demonstration of the power of the length of a sentence. <laughs> it's really beautiful. It's really beautiful. Uh I want to stick that quote in the show notes just because I would like to have it. Maybe other people would like to also. Absolutely. Length quote. I'm making a note so that I will put it in there. Okay. I'll, I'll put it in there. <laughs> that is, that's a thing of beauty. Um, somebody wrote an essay. It was David Foster Wallace, maybe Michael Shabon. I don't know. One of these modern authors who was just like a master wrote an, uh, a, five-page essay that's two sentences long <laughs> it is it's just spectacular it's spectacular it is so very good i'll, I'll, I'll find it because it's it is it's one of those um it's a tour de force performance like that example that you read is that somebody you can see the hand of the master in that one you can yes. see that it's like yeah that was that's the mona lisa of writing that was gorgeous <laughs> Thanks, Meredith. <laughs> that was awesome. Okay, I'll get over it. I'm taking a cleansing breath so that we can move on. But I feel a little inspired by that. Bravo. So, okay. five sentence, five word sentences are fine. Yes, but don't just do five word sentences. Exactly. Pretty. And then we're looking for this. So we're looking for this Goldilocks principle. You can't have sentences or pacing that is too slow. You can't have pacing that is too fast. You need it. It's just right for the action that is happening, for what is happening in the book. And that pacing is going to be determined by the length of your sentences, by how many adjectives you have, by how much description you have. All of these things lend to the pacing of the story. And I think that's very fascinating concept. I know. And through your pacing, you can determine the mood. I mean, didn't you get so much more excited when yeah. his sentence varied in length? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, he played us. I mean, absolutely. Violin, right? He's the bow. I mean, I'm, I feel totally played by that. I was, I was absolutely in a master's hands. Yeah. It was really, yeah, it was really gorgeous. It makes me wonder if we can't, uh, think of a, uh, a book that everybody has read and look at it for pacing. Oh, what a brilliant idea. Is there a book that's so universal that everyone has read? We should think about it for next time mm. because what a, what a neat example of, you know, you get to a fight scene, you get to a love scene. What does happen when an author who's really good at this uses those principles? You know what I would like to look at for that? 
What? William Goldman's A Princess Bride. Okay, I have my copy. Now, interestingly, his The Princess Bride as a novel uh, has a lot more of William Goldman, the author in it, than the very famous movie has. There are long passages where he breaks into the action and says, this is how I feel about this scene. And this is what my father said to me and my boy, right? So it'll be, I think it'd be interesting to see some of those scenes as well. That's an All interesting right, I'm, thought. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking for, <laughs> Here, this is so interesting. The first thing I open to is um, the introduction to chapter six. Chapter six is the festivities. Here's the first paragraph which is in his aside. In my old copy, it's in red because it's William Goldman talking to the reader. Mm -hmm. And listen to the sentence structure of this introductory paragraph. This is one of those chapters, again, where Professor Bongiorno of Columbia, the Florinese guru, claims that Morgenstern's satiric genius is at its fullest flower. That's the way this guy talks. Fullest flower, delicious drolleries, on and on. I mean, that's, this, is, this is his narrative that changes styles significantly. Absolutely. At the end of that passage, now listen to now listen to when we go back to the story. When Inigo regained consciousness, it was still night on the cliffs of insanity. Far below, the waters of Florin Channel pounded. Inigo stirred, blinked, tried to rub his eyes, couldn't. His arms were tied together around a tree. Those <laughs> are significantly shorter and punchier. Yes, absolutely. This is a it's, little mess. You're exactly right. The brilliance of that book is that he wrote in two completely different styles. It indeed did indeed. His voice changes dramatically. Yes. And so does the length of his sentences. Good point. This is, I think that's fascinating. You know, there is no... He does not write a syrupy, swoony love scene. No. Right? Uh, Buttercup and Wesley sort of, how about Buttercup and Wesley in the fire swamp? Hang on That's what I was just thinking of. Yep, 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 yep. Hang it on, hang it on. does get slightly mushy there. And also, I mean, just before the sw fire swamp, when after they roll down the hill. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a good book. Okay. I have found a William Goldman aside. At this point in the story, my wife wants it known that she feels violently cheated not being allowed the scene of reconciliation on the ravine floor between the lovers. My oh. reply is this, A, each of God's beings from the lowliest on up is entitled to at least a few moments of genuine privacy. B, what actually was spoken while moving enough to those involved at the actual time flattens like toothpaste when transferred to paper for later reading. My dove, my only, bliss, bliss, etc. C, none of the importance in an expository way was related because every time Buttercup began, tell me about yourself, Wesley quickly cut her off with later beloved, now is not the time. However, it should be noted in all fairness to all that one, he did weep. Two, her eyes did not remain precisely dry. Three, there was more than one embrace. And four, both parties admitted that without any qualifications whatsoever, they were more than a little glad to see each other. <laughs> That's how I'm writing a syrupy love scene. And that is all about pacing. Meredith, I'm so inspired by what you've told me because just the concept of sentence structure and, and the way the, the language flows establishes pace. And yes. I hadn't 
realized it until now. Yeah. And it's so interesting because I was rereading all of this in preparation for our podcast today. And I was also rereading and editing my one of my books. And I was thinking, you know, I, I have this scene where the hero has a jolt of, of PTSD. Okay. Um, he's he's a, a war veteran and they go to a panorama where he sees a painting of a battle and he's flashes back into a into when he was in battle. And you know, he he's completely in his mind. Um, he's hearing the screaming of horses and the screaming of men and the clash of arms and the booming of the cannons and and he's overcome and and go, literally goes tearing out of the room. Also, somebody screams at him and calls him a monster, but that's besides the point. Right. Right. But so I was thinking that I would love to have nice clips moving into this PTSD episode. And then the entire world stops. The entire book stops as he is experiencing this horror in his own mind. So it would be fast, 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 and then stop and really long sentences and lots of description and really slow pacing when this happens. I thought that would be very powerful. Sadly, I couldn't do it because the whole scene is just all description as they're looking at all of these paintings. See, I think you ought to consider flipping it. I think they're, come on, darling, let's go in and look at this wonderful panorama. And here we are together and happy and the pacing is slow and languid. And as his pulse begins to race, the sentences get shorter and choppier and, and, and more like a strobe light flashing at him. Ah, that's, I could do that. I could absolutely speed up the pacing, but I couldn't slow it down. Panic, though, speeds things up. Panic, panic makes everything um, very immediate. There's no time for reflection. There's no time for uh, right. uh, exposition. I mm. think you should try it. I think you should try making that that his panic attack should be um, staccato. I can absolutely. I, it might. I think it already is. It already is staccato. Probably would have to be. I don't think you could, you can't write a languid panic attack. That just doesn't, I think that, yeah. I think that's very interesting. Yeah. And what a Wait. useful, what a useful way to look at pacing. Yeah. Now go back and look at my current work in progress and think if I'm varying things at all, because I'm not sure I am. Uh-huh. I that could be very useful. Yes, absolutely. I could tell you're looking up your scene, aren't you? I am. I am. And you know what? I did the opposite. I had the sentences get really long and it shouldn't. I think you're absolutely right. I think I should stop. I should put in more periods, more full stops. I think that's fascinating. I think that's a brilliant way of looking at your book. And I love that pacing, we've established two entirely different ways um, to, to make pacing tighter. We've got we've got ending the chapter on a disaster, mm-hmm. and we've got sentence structure to reflect how the characters are experiencing the scene and how the reader should experience it. 
Right. And, and here I thought pacing was just, you follow a love scene with some action or you, right. There has to be intimacy after sex there. I mean, that's what I thought pacing was. And now I see that there's tremendous opportunity for me to manipulate my reader. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, playing God inside my own universe. <laughs> Do you think action scenes, I can see that action scenes are, are quicker, are more clipped. Yeah. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that what I'm looking at here is the, is the, pacing 101 concept short sentences for action scenes long sentences for love scenes right there right. are modifications there are modifications that would be useful if i could write the way the author of the five sentences example wrote then pacing would become critical to every single chapter right yes be and every single scene because you know for every scene, you know that the character, the POV character needs a goal, but the author also needs a goal. And so if your goal in the scene is to elicit emotion from the reader, then how are you going to do that? Are you going to lengthen the sentences? Are you going to slow down the pacing so that they can wallow in it? Or are you going to speed up the pacing so that they, it goes really fast? So, you know, there, there is good. your goal. What is your goal for the scene? And that's how you know how to write it, how to pace it. That's really good. That's really good. That's very useful. Um, you had mentioned that in the very beginning that you ask a question, you leave the reader with a question and you deny them the answer for a little while. Yeah. I was thinking that this concept that's very simple once you say it, but it is not instinct, instinctive, excuse me, in most writers. Uh, because I've been reading books that are not bad. I've been reading books that have been, you know, fine. Mm -hmm. And they end me on a cliffhanger and I turn the page and then there's a resolution. I mean, immediately it's like, oh, you got a problem. Oh, okay. Well, that's taken care of. What's next? And, and I had not put that together with pacing before. I had not realized that that was less capable storytelling. Mm. One of the things that was said to me early on was that it's very easy to love your character too much, right? You don't want oh, to yeah. a bad situation because you like her, but mm -hmm. you got to get your heroine up a tree and throw rocks at her. And that's where the story is. So if your pacing means that the resolution comes too quickly after presenting the challenge, your pacing is bad. You haven't been unkind enough to your hero or your heroine it is true i, I hadn't realized it was an aspect of pacing that's like oh. pretty interesting mm -hmm. yeah hey, we always had a running joke in my family that i was cruel to my characters so i wouldn't be cruel to my children <laughs> <laughs> and they always appreciated that i have to say <laughs> oh that's funny um Okay, there's a, there's so much going on in my brain on the subject of pacing that I think I need to percolate on this. And also, I need to embroider a pillow with that quote. It's going to take me a couple of years. Um, <laughs> next week, we were going to talk about um, settings and description. Is that right? Scene descriptions? What did I say? Settings, yes. Settings. Yes, settings, settings and descriptions. Good, good. Because I think I can 
provide a setting in my novel, but it gets quite wooden when I just spit out the spit out the facts. So I'm interested in your thoughts on how to do setting and description so it flows as opposed to being served up like a block of tofu, right? Eat this. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's good delicious for you. In other sources, but it's it's kind of daunting when it's all by itself. So how do we how do we cook better? Uh, we have. Uh, we have any comments lately? Anybody? Anybody chatting us up? Oh no! But we've got the Discord we, server. We've got the Discord server, and we've gotten into this really nice thing where you and I and Karen and Glory and Rich we sit and chat every morning about Karen. what we're reading and what we're writing, and it's been really nice. It would be so lovely to have more people join us. I agree. And you I, know, it's the easiest thing is all you have to do is email us through at brewwarren.com, mary at meredithbond.com, and we will send you a link to join it, us. It's a good place for authors. It's a good supportive place for authors where we don't browbeat anybody. And uh, it's not a lot of, we'll hold you to account. We're not holding you to account. But if you come and you join us and ask a question, participate in a sprint, talk about what you're doing, you'll find a supportive, friendly community because I, I like everybody we've got with us. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Good group. Good group. Listener, come on in. Come on in. Um, <laughs> the water's fine. Come on in. The water's fine. We'd love to see you. All right. So uh, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Rate us, rate our podcast, or comment on our podcast, yes. or join our Discord server, or email us, or buy our books. <laughs> I say <laughs> me because when you average mine in with Meredith, I have lots of books. In reality, I have one. There book. you go. Meredith has <laughs> can't count the number of books she has. So, until next week. Absolutely. Have a wonderful week. Hugs and kisses. Bye. That's it for the Writer's Block Party this week. We don't want you getting so drunk on knowledge that you can't drive your laptop safely. But next week we'll be here before you know it, so check out the website at thewritersblockpartypodcast.com. One word. That's where you can find our archive of past podcasts and a place where you can get in touch with Mary and Prue or ask questions for the next podcast. Write with joy, friends, and see you next week. Bye.